Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting live around the world, this is The Ryan Lindsay Show. Phone lines are open to speak with Ryan or any of his guests at 319-527-6702 or email Ryan. The email address is ryan at ryanlindsayshow.com. Now, here's Ryan Lindsay. And it's a Wednesday edition of the Ryan Lindsay Show from the gorgeous Northwoods of Wisconsin. I'm glad you're with us. A lot of good shows on the way for you. We're going to do a good one tonight. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try to answer that uh, universal age-old question, what happens after we die? We've got theories. Everybody's got a theory. If you've got a theory, give us a call. Uh, we'll keep the phone lines open for uh, Regan Forston, our guest tonight. The number is 319-527-6702. So uh, we'd be happy to hear from you tonight as we speak with Regan Forston about past life regression, reincarnation, past and future lives, everything in between. Uh, coming up on Friday, we'll talk with Connie Habish about awakening from anxiety. And then Monday the 14th, Cherry Tucker will be my guest. We'll talk about finding your uncommon and extraordinary life. He's got a very inspirational story, does uh, Terry Tucker, and so we'll talk to him uh, live on Monday. And then Patricia Payton on Wednesday the 16th, a week from today, physical intelligence. So that should be an interesting conversation there as well on Wednesday the 16th. have to introduce, uh, as always, my co-host Tamara Gleason. Tamara, you're in Wisconsin again. I am. I'm back. Back for the holidays, home for the holidays. It feels yep. really good to be back. It does, and it's going to be nice. Hopefully, we can have a white Christmas here, though. Kind of disappointed in my north, in my Northwood roots, not having any snow. Do you guys have some up there? No, no snow here. It was forty-five today, so not too bad. I know. Well, you know, <laughs> this is just you know making our winter a little shorter, right? Every day, so. Yeah, it'll it'll be here though. It'll be here as soon as we know it. Right. Well, past lives—that's kind of a specialty of yours. We're going to talk about that tonight: reincarnation, past life regression. Uh, we're kind of getting into Tamara territory here, aren't we? Oh, I just—it's a topic I don't know if I could ever tire of. We are such <laughs> multifaceted souls and beings, and I'm looking forward to our guest tonight because it just. You know, it just takes us into such, I think it's a real topic that's come up for so many right now um, with kind of, you know, having to view our lives and wonder where this is all coming from and feeling like we've kind of been on this loop before. So this is a great topic. Good pick. This is a good one. We'll uh, we'll talk with Regan Forston. Now, out-of-body experiences at age four set Regan up for a spiritually-based life. His inner guidance has taken him to five countries where he experienced the best and worst of humanity, from standing ovations in Las Vegas and Hollywood movie sets to cartel kidnappings and mayhem in Mexico. And the adventure continues now as he facilitates clients experiencing past lives and in a deep state of hypnosis, 
visiting where they as souls go in between lives. He is also a practitioner of the quantum healing hypnosis technique, allowing some clients to experience relief from their health issues. Very glad to welcome Regan Forston to the show. Regan, how are you? I'm just great, thanks. Welcome. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for joining us today. What part of Wisconsin are you uh, broadcasting from? We are in uh, northwestern Wisconsin, Eau Claire area. Eau Claire, okay. Yeah, I've been, uh, I taught uh, clown school at the University of Wisconsin La Crosse a couple summers (laughs) back. Okay. Sure, sure. Loving it there. (laughs) How long ago? How long ago did you do that? 1988. 1988-89. So you were a professional clown. Yeah. You've lived. You've lived an extraordinary life. I was reading up on you, and yeah. Let's t- t- tell us your story. <laughs> it's uh, it. It really. Uh, it really meets the full gamut here. Well, yeah. I mean, until I wrote um, a couple of books and and kind of went back and looked at my life, you know, you usually just take uh, things just one day at a time, and you don't really notice your life moving along how it is but when you look back sometimes you go whoa if i'd who would have i would have never guessed you know even 10 years ago that i'd be doing what i'm doing now uh let alone you know 30 years ago when i was a professional clown uh and uh, teaching clown school (laughs) that that i'd end up being this 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 person that helps people experience what happens when they die and where they go and what they do before they decide to come back again um, I mean, my life's had so many twists and turns, but then looking back, I see that it was all needed in order for me to do this work. Like I, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, from, from, um, being a clown, I ended up started doing, I was a ventriloquist. So I started doing adult comedy, had kind of a little uh, niche for that and started doing corporate, uh, corporate work all over America with some of the big corporations. And, uh, they'd hire me to come in as like a fake motivational speaker, um, you know, uh, pretending to be somebody, and then I'd I'd walk off stage and get my partner, and then of course I'd come out with the dummy, and then they know it's just a trick on that they were just pulling no. their leg, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But it was uh, it was pretty cool. And then I found myself. I thought, well, hey, I've been a comedian for 30 years. Why uh, why don't I go down and act in Hollywood? And I went down there and uh, thought it would be real easy, but oh boy, that's a that's a whole other ball game. But I I ended up getting my Screen Actors Guild card and a uh, I had uh, lead roles in uh, about 30 short films and independent things, and as well as doing a lot of extra work and and in a lot of major movies and things, you know. And then uh, it's this whole God thing. I mean, it's just like once you kind of connect to the other side, which I did in my 20s, you just start getting these um, like miracles, these waking dreams, these uh, these teachers that come to you in the dream state or. Um, you know, miracles that are so great in your life that you you realize, hey, God's trying to get me to move over this way or to go here or to go there. And once you start, you know, trusting in that inner guidance, which I think is a divine birthright for all of us, um, then your life, um, you just kind of, you know, sometimes you go, well, this doesn't seem to make any sense, but I'm getting this guidance. And then you, you follow the guidance. And when you get there, you go, oh, my God, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And what we found out by this work that I'm doing is we all have, um, if you want to call them angels, guides, uh, ascended masters, people have different names for them, but we found out that uh, everybody uh, has somebody watching over them. And um, 
one of the most exciting things um, people discover in the sessions that I do for them is the moment where they uh, they see themselves pass away in a past life. And then I have them kind of turn around and say, uh, okay, now who's there? And and all of a sudden, someone will scream and they'll go, oh, my God, that's so-and-so or some, you know, someone that they they remember because it's their good old buddy or, or teacher or master they've had for many lives. Um, sometimes it's just a big ball of energy there, colored energy, and they just know it's their guide. And then the, the, that ball of energy kind of morphs in between looking human and, and energy, and, and, and they're able to just communicate with them kind of telepathically. But when they're in hypnosis and they start doing that and you watch them go through this, it's just so natural for them when they're in that state that they don't question it at all. They, they see things and they understand things and they remember things from being there before. So, um, mm-hmm. How easy yeah, so or hard or, or difficult is it to get somebody into that state where they start remembering past lives? It, it completely blows my mind because I've been such a skeptic <laughs> a lot of my life in these things. I cannot believe how easy it is for the majority of people to have this experience. I mean, huh. I used to think, oh, even doing a past life regression, I thought, oh, I'm I'm not like those people. It, 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 maybe one in a thousand can do it. It's more like about 87, say, my my success rate's about 84 out of 100 people that come to me uh, have the, a successful, not only going to the past life, but then, you know, in that space when they're out of their body after they see themselves pass away, they're in this void, like, or this little space that's between there and where they go in between lives. And um, once we get them, you know, into the past life and they're out, then it's just pretty much a piece of cake. You know, if you just kind of turn around, there's your guide, your angel. We start saying, hey, can, uh, you know, they're not actually dead at this point. They're just visiting. You know, we have to mm-hmm. say, well, we just want to visit for a while. We don't want to have my clients stay there, which there's never been any problems with that anyway. Of the, You know, um, with the Newton Institute now, we've done over 50,000 uh, we've had over 50,000 successful cases. And um, Dolores Cannon, who was a contemporary of Michael Newton's, was doing research on her own, unbeknownst to Michael, but they found out about it each other later, and she, they both confirmed each other's work. So it's not just uh, coming from one source that, uh, you know, all this information we have comes from. But uh, Dolores Cannon, that's the uh, quantum healing hypnosis technique, um, where they, um, I'm working on my certification with them now, where we actually, at one point, once a person has gone to a past life and they've seen themselves pass away, then we, uh, we ask the person that's in hypnosis, can we talk to your subconscious? It could be higher self, uh, subconscious. We don't know what to call it, so we just give it the name of subconscious. The person gives me permission, and then all of a sudden, it, this is another thing that blows me away is that her subconscious comes out and talks and it, and it's like you're talking to a third person. Um, everything, you know, like they'll come out and they would, if they, if you were under, they would say uh, your subconscious will come out and they would say, you know, said, you know, if Ryan, if he would just wake up and do this, like I'm trying to get him to do, he would do this or, you know what, his diet is so horrible that, you know, he needs to do this and he needs to do that. And, and it's like some clients, they only remember parts of this because I record it. And then when they listen back to it, their jaw drops and they hear yeah. their higher self telling them what's wrong with them and what they need to do and what work they need to do and how, 
you know, how they're kind of slacking. And <laughs> it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Uh, and um, go so ahead. where is this where is this higher conscious than when we're when we're conscious? Why, why uh, do we have to be hypnotized it, in order to listen to our higher higher self? That is a really good question, and I've wondered that myself sometimes. Um, but it, it seems that our, the world as a whole now, that our, our higher selves are actually closing in a little bit. Like it's not as hard as it was at one time for people to access that. It's like the wall is thinning for some reason uh, between here and the other side. Um, and, um, and that's why I guess it's just so darn easy. I, like when I went through the process myself, like me, I have to like see it to believe it. And I, when I decided I wanted to be a, a, a life between life uh, therapist, um, it bothered me because I thought that when I went to, hypno- to hypnotherapy school, I was like the last one in the class to experience hypnosis because I was so much in my left brain analytical side. I couldn't just let go and let it happen. I always had to be analyzing the darn everything that was happening. And once I just relaxed and let go and let it happen, oh my gosh. And then I went, oh, this is what hypnosis is, you know. Well, same thing happened to me. I was in my year-long training with the Newton Institute. And when I went through a, an intensive uh, week there, um, the, uh, at one point they have, us, have uh, some experienced facilitators work with us so that we can have the experience because, of course, you want to know what it's like for your clients. So everybody has her. So when they were done, everybody in the in the class was uh, ha- had an easy experience, and I didn't. <laughs> and so they worked with me a couple more days. You know, my, I'm just so thick-headed in some things and so skeptical in some ways. But anyway, once I did, I just finally got into it. I let go, and then, wow. I mean, it was the m- most beautiful experience of my entire life. And I'm, I'm uh, in my 70s now. So... Um, it uh, it was it was just awesome, you know. I mean, there was like twelve major things that happened. Um, the uh, past life I went through was was only a tiny bit. It's like once you get to the other side, and you get to heaven, is a sense or the you know the afterlife. I could call it heaven because I think that's what most people can relate to. Um, the experience that I had there just I mean, you know, people can say I imagined it. Uh, it was just something like that, but I, for me, I know it was real. And too many things happened that have changed my life in the last three years since I did that. And people that know me even would say, you know, wow, Regan, you're something's different than you. <laughs> he said you're mm-hmm. smiling all the time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I'll tell you one little thing. When I, th- there's a almost all of my clients when they have this experience uh, get to experience going before some sort of counsel or some sort of like life coaches as some people want to call them or elders, wise people, you know, people that have been there, done that, or that are highly spiritual and they appear similar, but very much the same in a lot of different ways. That's how we know this is so real because, you know, you, you have five people to have this experience. Well, that's one thing you have to start, you know, your, your eyes kind of go, Hmm, something's here. But when you have mm-hmm. 50,000 people pretty much have the same experience um, There's something to it, you know. <laughs> the, yeah, t- t- as far as us therapists know here, I mean, we know reincarnation is real 100% because it just the people just, you know, some of my clients we've been able to go back and actually prove some of the things they saw uh, when they were going through past lives, and and um, that really gets my the hair standing up on my 
on the back of my hands, but we don't even concentrate too much on finding that out because this other is so real. It's like, so what? Yeah, I lived before. Now let me get to the real, let me get to the real good stuff, you know, which is like really being in heaven and, and uh, finding out, you know, what your true mission was, like why you decided to be born uh, to find out if you're on track or not, or what you need to do. Um, Some people in their experience, when they come back, just having that, like, wow, I always thought that's what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, and boom, they're off and running on a, on a on a whole new path. But what surprised me is most people are actually doing pretty well in what their mission was. They just weren't really, really conscious of it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because as human beings, sometimes we think we have to be like Martin Luther King or Gandhi or something like that to make a difference down here. But sometimes when they find out what their what their goal was, it's very simple things. Uh, like for me, I found out that the reason I decided to come into this body as myself, besides doing this work, which I, I saw when that when I made the decision to do this work before I was born, um, but it was to to um, to learn kindness. And um, you know, um, one client that uh, another colleague of mine had when she was in, she, they found out what her her whole goal was to learn patience. And he says, mm-hmm. well. You know, if I might ask in like earth terms, like how many years have you been been learning patience? Uh, and she said, oh, about 500. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> that's patient. That's patient. 500 yeah, years. Like, <laughs> we're slow learners. I tell you, so sometimes we are so slow. Well, you can see that just as human beings, because if a person's, re- you know, religious or spiritual, they go and they hear a great sermon. Well, then, you know, you think that's all they need to hear, and then, boom, they go out and they're just fine, but they got to go back every Sunday, you know, and hear the same yeah. hear the same damn sermon every Sunday for the rest of their life, and then they still have to go back, you know. <laughs> so, uh, we're, uh, talking with, we're talking with Regan Forston about uh, reincarnation, life between lives. Uh, it's a fascinating topic uh, already here. If you'd like to join us, then give us a call, 319-527-6702. Maybe you have a past life regression story, a reincarnation story. Share it with us. We'd love to uh, to hear from you. Now, Regan, uh, Tamara here, my co-host, yeah. is is a past life regressionist herself. So uh, I'm, oh, I'm, sure awesome. you, I'm sure she's got questions at the ready for you. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> well... Oh, absolutely. I just, as you know, you feel like um, you're, you're, you're going into some sacred time travel, right? You become like, yeah. you know, a sacred time traveler and you, you kind of like weaving in and out of their lifetimes. It's truly a, a historical, you know, it, it's just absolutely fascinating and how it ripples out into their lives. And I'm sure you have a million cases. That's one of your favorite cases. Um, well, one of my favorite cases, I, yeah, I'm a regular therapist, too, and I specialize in uh, uh, trauma, people that have trauma, PTSD, fears and phobias a lot. That seems to be, you know, who God sends me anyway. And I have this one client of mine who has um, been, uh, oh, my gosh, you know, it's just unbelievable abuse she's had in her life, you know, beginning with being kidnapped at age 12 and kept sexual prisoner in the, in the, uh, out back in, in, um, not, I was going to say Australia, but Arizona for a couple of weeks till she managed to escape. Um, and then, um, you know, actually being abused by her, her mother, her aunt, uh, next door neighbors. And then she ran away 
when she was 15 and a guy kept her in a trailer behind his bar and was pimping her out until she managed to escape from that. And then she became a Playboy centerfold uh, later in life. You know, of course, she's all mixed up sexually. So, you know, that's what happens a lot of times when people are grouped up about sexuality. Um, and then she had a stalker who, like, you know, hid in her apartment. And um, when she came in and he, for four days, tortured her, you know, um, you know, he made her change her hair color because he had just broke up with his girlfriend and he couldn't kill her, so he was going to kill her instead. So he made her try to look like his girlfriend. And, you know, oh. he put uh, – it's just unimaginable. But anyway, then she, she he's left for dead, but she managed to survive that. That guy was caught. And uh, and there's a long story goes along with that, what happened after that. But then, you know, fast forward to um, when she's, like, in her late 30s and a woman befriended her um, – like a mom and had her said, well, Hey, you can help me by signing some, uh, a few papers here and that's going to help me with something. So she's very naive. She signed them, ended up being some kind of scam. She had to go to, you know, got caught, went to court and the judge says, well, you know, we're just going to give you five years probation. So on the day she goes to meet her probation officer, a male officer came in and told the female probation officer says, Oh, I'm going to take this one. And uh, he proceeded to molest her over three years, over 40 times, even right there in his office with threat of death or going back to prison. What, you know, how can anybody, this is the thing about this spiritual stuff. It's like, how can anybody have have a life where it's abuse, abuse, abuse? And yet this woman is an angel. She's just the most sweet, kind, you know, refuses to even say a cuss word or just say anything bad about anybody, even her, even her abusers. So uh, she wasn't really, uh, because of her religious beliefs, hypnosis was a little bit of a devil thing. And, mm-hmm. But, you know, we built rapport over a number of months. And finally, because knowing what I know, I said, maybe, you know, we need to see if we can find out what's going on here, you know. So she finally said, okay. And um, uh, she was a somnambulist, which means um, these are people that could be hypnotized almost instantly. Uh, they're so suggestible that boom, they just go right under. And within three minutes of me doing an induction with her, she was out of her body and there was two angels there, which introduced themselves, took her on a journey, told her that her case was going to be okay. Um, Mark Garagos is her lawyer. You probably heard of him, the Michael Jackson lawyer guy from the big wig in LA. Yeah. And they're suing the whole city there of, uh, of Bakersfield that's gone on. It's gone on for three years and there's a whole other story there about the abuse they've given her, try to put, make it look like she's uh, responsible some way for this uh, stupid police officer. Anyway, um, when we, uh, the angels uh, just, you know, showed her that she's, there's some things she has to do. And if she does these things that her, her court case is going to be okay. And eventually she's going to get through this whole thing. So, uh, what we did, what I did then is I had another appointment with her, and this time we did a past life regression. And all of a sudden, she's she's standing on a stage, and I said, what's going on? And I'm going to call her Sue, and that's not her name, but her name, I'm going to say Sue. And mm-hmm. uh, she goes, I'm, I'm giving a talk. There's a whole bunch of women out there. Uh, they're like all, there's black women and white women, and, and they were wearing stuff like around the turn of the century kind of clothes. And all of a sudden, um, She's in hypnosis, and I see her duck. It's like her head goes, <clears throat> and I go, I go, what just happened? And she goes, some guy threw a tomato at me. <laughs> I guess she's reliving. She's on stage there giving a speech, and some guy threw a tomato at her and got all over her dress. 
And what we found out was she was giving a talk and getting an award for helping um, women's rights. And we found out she was a news reporter. I said, well, where do you work? And she said, you know, I, I forget now. It's either Boston Globe, Boston Herald, or something that it's not called now. But it used to be called that when we did our research. And um, so after the uh, a- after the uh, session, there's a whole bunch more we found out about her having a home in Pennsylvania, had three kids. Oh, and she went to Harvard. And I said, well, are oh. you in class? And she, she said, yeah. And I said, well, look around the class, and who's in the class? And her eyes, you know, you can see her eyes are closed in trance, but her eyes kind of raise up, and she goes, God, there's just like one other woman. It's all guys, you know. So anyway, unbeknownst to her, when we were done, I said, well, hey, I want to check on some of the stuff. So I, I went back and I found out that the name of the paper was the name that she said, not the name that it is now, back in the late 1800s. They had a few women reporters working on women's rights. And Harvard had just started allowing women to go to their college. You know, so, um, and, oh, and there was a restaurant she used to go to where she would have women's group there, and we found uh, it's a, it's Marigold something or other, and we went back on the records and found out there was actually a restaurant named that in uh, New York at that time, you know, which was, um, you know, outside of Boston there, but we did find the name of a restaurant like that. So, you know, it was uh, just one of those things, you know. Um, so that was, a, you know, I found that be very interesting, um, although the one I had uh, last week, um, maybe you've experienced this if you've been doing past life regressions with people. I had a man, he ended up being a woman in another lifetime. And I usually what we do is we have them go to like three important events in their life. And we'll say, okay, now we want you to leave the scene that you're in now. And I want you to go. When I count to three, you're going to be in another scene of something important in that life. And all of a sudden he's uh He's like going, oh, my God, it so hurts. It hurts. And he was, a, this, he was a woman, but he was giving birth to a baby. Oh, my. And, <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh, my gosh, it was hard for him. So I said, okay, I'm gonna, this, you're in so much pain right now. I'm going to, uh, one, two, three, you've given birth now. Now tell me what's happening. And he goes, oh, what a big baby. <laughs> so <laughs> when he came out of that, his eyes were big. He says, oh, my God, I know what it feels like to have a baby now. You know, to be a woman and have a baby. So, <laughs> you know, uh, oh it just, I don't know. When, when a person has a, even a past life regression, it opens up this whole thing that we're so much more than we think we are. You know, we're so much wiser. We've had so many tests. We've gone through so many trials and tribulations you can't believe to become the people that we are now. Um, and especially when people... I would say half the women that I have, they end up being men in, 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 in another lifetime, you know. And mm-hmm. when they're under, they don't even, you know, they, except for one, one uh, client I had, sweetheart of a woman, uh, about a month ago, two months ago now, I guess. Um, when she came out of, there's, a, there's like five or six different ways I use to get people to another life. Uh, if, if one doesn't work and we're having trouble, then I try another, another, and eventually they get there. Um, but I have them look down and see what they're wearing. You know, is, is it night or day? Is it, you know, just to get them acclimated to the scene that they find themselves in in a past life. And first, we just try to get them into their senses. You know, about is it day or night? Uh, are they cold? Are they cold? Um, you know, are they in a mountain setting or, or are you in a town or where are they? And one of them, she says, well, I'm. It's daytime or nighttime, but I I can't tell who I am. I said, well, put your hands out in front of you. And then when she did. 
she puts them out in front of her, and then she, her, I'm watching her physical face and like in disbelief, and she goes, "Oh my God, I'm a dude." <laughs> I'm a dude. She had these big old pokey man hands, hand. you know. Oh my gosh! And that was so when she when she came out, um, she says, "Regan, I'm such a believer now." She says, "I would have never even thought about me even being a man in another lifetime. I mean, I couldn't even made that stuff up, you know." Um, but occasionally when I, especially if I have someone coming saying, well, I want you to prove, I don't believe in reincarnation, but I just want to prove it. Well, you know, I'll, I'll put them under, they'll be answering all my questions. They'll, you know, sometimes know what they're doing, see everything. And then they come out of it and they'll go, you know, I think I just made all that crap up. You know, I just, I just made it up. It's not really true still. So I say, well, that's up to you (laughs) to decide, you know? Yeah. you know, because it all happens. Pretty happens in your mind. You know, it happens in your, in your, in your mind. You know, uh, mm-hmm. just like if you were remembering something as a kid, and you close your eyes and you remember something cool you did as a kid, the sights and the sounds and smells and everything you have. It's 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 no different than that. It's just you know, um, another uh, file in your in your long file of all the different lives you had. Mm-hmm. Do we occasionally have dreams that are maybe equivalent to a past life regression? Because oh yeah, spe- specifically, I've had a lot of dreams lately where I know these people in the dream, and it's present yeah. day. But I, when I wake up, I'm like, who in, who on earth were those people? But I knew them in the dream. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how um, my, the first past life regression I had. I mean, I started. As my own, I, w- I grew up Catholic, uh, like so many of us are out there, and um, mm-hmm. the Catholic religion is just fine for people that that, that works for them. But I- even in uh, in college, I just started thinking I've never been exposed to anything but Catholicism. I even went to Jesuit high school, so you know until I was in college, I wasn't exposed to other belief systems, not even to many even Protestant religion beliefs. You know, so I took mm-hmm. an alternate, not alternative. What do you call it for? Um, uh, but, but where there's all you know, they have they talk about a whole bunch of different religions. You know, um, I can't think of it at the moment. There's a, yeah, whatever they call. It. But anyway, um, well, in there they talked about uh, you know reincarnation, and um, when they talked about you know in, all they did is talk about India, and that some people believe that they're. Uh, relatives or something are in these cows or something. And I remember the whole class just laughed, you know, but, but I still got me thinking about that, you know, and that's when it kind of started. And then like you see in my book that I, that I wrote, I talk about when I was 23 and I started searching, I ended up having an out of body experience where I was in a place where it was in the dream in a dream. Like, you know, I was, I was actually doing a mantra because I heard if you do these, a certain mantra uh, that that can help you have an out of body experience. And so I was doing it, went to sleep, but then woke up and was fully aware, just like I'm aware right now, felt that aware. And I was uh, about 100 feet off the ground, and the skies were this beautiful yellow. And I was looking down, and I saw these, um, like, a, it was like wheat fields, and there were these trees that were just so majestic and so, like, spiritual trees is huge. I could only call them, like, oak trees or something. And then I realized I was seeing 360 degrees. And that's when I, I went, oh, oh, God, I'm out of my body. And then poof, I was right back in my body. And uh, that was my, like my, I call it my spiritual wake-up call. Um, 
And it, at the time when that happened, I mean, I could only tell you it felt like buckets of love were being dumped all over me. I mean, it, it, I just, you know, that's kind of, you know, what started me on my uh, on my quest. Um, and then um, a number of years later, because I, I started keeping a dream diary because, you know, I go, wow, if that happened in the dream, I'm going to start writing these things down and see what happens. And um, all of a sudden I have this, I have this dream and I'm a monk. I'm a statue of a monk in a, in a museum. And the docent would go by and talk about how he was martyred. And when he would do that, I would feel like arrows thumping into my chest. And I woke up and I went, man, that's bizarre. Well, a few months later, I was a, an ambassador from America, a clown ambassador to Europe, where we were trying to start an international clown community over there. And um, so w- when that conference was all done over there, we went on a tour, and I ended up in a, uh, I ended up in a, a church, which I did not want to go into for some reason. But I thought there were so many people around, I thought I'd get lost from the tour group, so I ended up going in the church. And just as I got there, the docent pointed to me, and he says, get up and sit in one of these chairs. And he said, this is where the, uh, this is where the monks used to sit. And they would, they would pray eight times a day. And um, it, it, the chairs, the way they were, they were up off the ground a little bit, and the seat was so small, it made you kind of sit up straight. And he says, yeah, the, the guy said that's so they didn't fall asleep when they're supposed to be praying, you know. So I closed <laughs> my eyes for a second. I closed my eyes for a second. And when I opened them, I mean, what I thought was a second, I, the church was deserted. Now, this has happened in real life, not in a dream. I mean, I'm sitting there, and it scared me because I'm going, whoa, where is everybody? I mean, there was hundreds of people, and all of a sudden, I closed my eyes, but I thought was a second, and the church is deserted. So I started to get up to move, and I was catatonic. I could not, I could not even move a muscle. And then I started freaking out inside, like scared, like, oh, my God. You know, like it's such a weird feeling to, you know, tell your body to get up, and you can't even move like you're paralyzed. So then I went, oh, wait a minute. You know, and I remembered my dream of being a monk that was killed. And then here I'm in this church, you know, months later, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay, God's trying to show me another piece of the puzzle. And then all of a sudden my neck could move. And as I moved my head forward, it made my whole body, which was, you know, like limp. I fell to the floor and you could hear, you could, you could hear the, my body boom. And then that big old church, you know, just boom, boom, reverberating. And um, then I, I just, I got up and walked out, but. Um, then what happened was six months later, this is how, where the past life thing comes in now. Six months later, I'm at a spiritual convention in Chicago and, um, something, it's too long of a story I've gone into, but anyway, something happened where somebody happened to come up to me and tell me something about a past life. And I started, you know, like I'm right now and you just say a sentence to me and I start bawling like a little baby and I'm thinking, Oh my God, what's going on here? You know, I just knew it was, it was Whatever they told me reached something deeper than my conscious mind could. So I ran right up to my hotel room, and I thought, man, i gotta, I got to do a spiritual exercise on this. So I closed my eyes, and within about 30 seconds, I find myself out of my body, and I'm looking at this monk on this uh, little knoll. He's got a couple hundred people down he's preaching to, and I know he's preaching against the church about the corruption of the church. And then when I looked at him, I just went, oh, my God, that's me. I don't know how to tell you exactly, but when I saw him, I just, I know 100% that was me. It's just that it's, it's just so, you know, uh, so heavy that way. So just as I saw saw that, I started to wake up a bit and (laughs) this could sound crazy to a lot of people, but the only time I've ever heard of a physical voice 
was just as I was waking up, some voice in my head or through telepathy or something says, you were a friar, you know, and I, and I came to and I went, friar? What the hell's a friar? You know, I was Catholic, I don't know Friar <laughs> Tuck from, from uh, Sherwood from Forest, Hood. you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so I looked, yeah. up, I, I, went, I looked up friar and it said a friar was a monk that teaches. In other words, some of the monks are sequestered, but a friar is usually a teaching monk. You know, and it all made sense, you know. And uh, and so anyway, <laughs> there's a, uh, that was that was the first time I went, oh, my God, I actually experienced a past life. So that happened because uh, from a one dream and then something in, you know, in real life where I was that that person stuck in that chair catatonic, which was getting my attention. And then a few months later. The uh, another piece to the puzzle came when I closed my eyes and I was not dreaming. This was more like a, uh, like I went into trance or something, you know. But I, but I was totally awake, you know. And I saw myself and I went, "Oh my God, that's me!" And then I heard that voice. So that um, uh, made a, uh, a big believer out of me. And because this, I don't want to do the whole show just on that one thing, but later on uh, the other pieces came into uh, being of why I saw that life. Um, well, I guess I could tell in 30 seconds. Uh, a few days later, I'm at clown school. The first person I set my eyes on there, I ended up marrying about 14 months later. And um, one thing I learned about being, one thing about learn, learned just before I went to clown school, someone had picked, we were, I was with somebody and they just, we were in a, a bookstore. They looked up and saw a book and they just pulled it off the shelf and said, read this. And I go, Okay, because of all this other spiritual stuff, I said, okay, this maybe is another piece. So uh, two days later, I'm in the back of a rental car in Indianapolis in a thunderstorm, and I start reading this book, and it talks about that when we're born, we're both masculine and feminine, but, but one is more predominant than the other. And the problem lies in men a lot of times is they, because of the way society is, they don't nurture that feminine side of themselves. And when I read that, for some reason... I mean, I, I went like a crazy man. I started yelling and screaming, and I jumped out of the car, and it's thundering and lightning, and I'm getting soaked, and I'm screaming my head off like I just found the Holy Grail. And, and, and at the same time, I'm watching, and I'm going, Regan, you're nuts. Like, what is going on with you? So then at clown school a few days later, I met this woman, and I ended up marrying her, and guess what? She had four daughters. So for the next 10 years, I was immersed in having five women and then sometimes my, my <laughs> girls had girls. Sometimes there's 11 women around. I'm the only guy. And my, the feminine side of myself got developed. And the sure. final key to that that showed me why I saw a past life was I was at another convention and I told a guy about my story and he goes, Oh my God, I just married. I, I was a monk in a past life and I, I neglected to think that, you know, the feminine side was even important, like in the old church, women were supposed to be not even heard or, you know, it was all a guy thing. And so when he said that, that was the final piece. And I realized that uh, because in a past lifetime, uh, I had negated femininity and in this lifetime had pretty much done that, that this whole thing was to, to get me with this, this beautiful soul who was my wife uh, to teach me uh, and to open me up to the feminine side of myself. So, um, see, so sometimes it's not just a past life regression in a, in a hypnosis thing. This, this whole, the first time I experienced this past life was over a period of about a year and a half with one piece at a time until it finally all clicked in. So it can happen in a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. 
In that time, Regan, and you alluded to this a little bit uh, much much earlier tonight, um, between death and when we reincarnate, that life in between lives, do yeah. we make choices? Do we choose what type of parent we're going to have? Do we choose what type of life we're going to have? Um, can we choose to be an animal, or or is it always a human? No, it's well. There's a there's a a, a lot to the what you just asked. But to give it a brief answer is when you get to the other side, you're totally in charge of what you do. They they will guide you, but they will never say you have to do that. Like some people, they will tell them over there, well, it would benefit you if you come back. You know, you could go into a human body on earth and you could learn this. And some people up there go, no, nope, I'm not doing that. <laughs> and but there's plenty of other stuff to do. I mean, there's some souls that God created that never incarnate in a physical body, but they're like the behind the scenes. They're working with learning how to, you know, help God in creation and, and to, to do things. And there's like, um, I would say an infinite amount of jobs to do. Um, uh, and uh, I haven't had this happen yet, but other colleagues uh, and with Dolores Cannon, and the way she took things, she's had a lot of people that, for instance, this one person, when she says, okay, now where are you, you know, gets them under, she has them go to a cloud and, and go and leave the cloud and say, now you're in a past life, where are you? And this person, as it came to be, was having a life uh, as being part of the mist that was helping cool the earth when it was, when it was being formed in order to oh. make it ready for there to be human bodies to come down. And that's, you see, the biggest thing that I learned is, you know, when we're in our natural state, we're energy. We're not bodies. We're, we're the spiritual energy. And so that energy, just like it comes into this body, I mean, it could go into a rock if it wanted to or a tree or anywhere. And um, your consciousness, I mean, for whatever reason, you know, um, you know, <laughs> maybe that's why some of my friends are like dumb as rocks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they got, they got their, their past life. Past life. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. Because, anyway, that's the, I was, you know, being a comedian for 30 years, I can't help it. Sometimes it's sure. a little silly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so see, that's, if you picture yourself, picture yourself as pure energy with all of the knowledge that you have and all of the emotions, all of the everything that you are now, but just as, just just being pure energy. Uh, it's a game changer. And then, you know, because right now we think, oh, we're just this body. Well, this body is just like wearing a shirt. And when you're done with it, you just throw, you know, throw it away and, you you know, you go get another shirt, you know, another body um, or another another thing. Um, yeah, we've had, um, you know, what's interesting now, <laughs> and this to some of your viewers, they're going to go, okay, now he's getting, he's getting too weird. But I found that the, the world is changing about the alien thing, you know, we're finding now that uh, there's a lot of people when they get under, they finding out that this is their very first time on earth, that they've actually come here from other dimensions and other places in the universe to try to help us get through the transition, which we're going through uh, currently, it looks like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, because they can't mess with our free will from the outside. But if they come down and embody themselves in a human body, then from the human self, they can help the world to try to, make uh, better changes to put more love into what we need to get us through. Um, because, w- because of free will, this crazy earth can go a number of ways and it all depends on, you know, on uh, the choices that, that people make. So um, there's a book called, I think it's called the three waves of volunteers and Dolores Cannon. She has about 18 books out 
and it's all all cases, just like Michael Newton uh, from the Newton Institute has these different books with case histories. Um, and um, so she's she's uncovered a lot of that because she was a researcher too. And when people are under, she would get them to ask all kinds of questions from people on the other side. And she's got a lot of answers to a lot of things too. And some of her books and her, her books are in just like Michael Newton's. You can get them in libraries. Um, for instance, uh, Michael Newton's best-selling book is called Journey of Souls, and that's you know over a million copies of that. It's in I don't know all kinds of different languages. And um, that was uh, the very first book that was written about this subject back in the 90s. Um, and uh, that's why I get a lot of calls. People read that book. They go to the Newton Institute website, and they see that I'm one of the uh, facilitators in California. And so I get at least one or two calls a month uh, just from, you know, people reading his book. Um, mm-hmm. So the thing that I like people to realize is that we're in a, we're in a, we've turned a whole new page here. Um, you know, all through our lives, we've wondered about God. Is there really a heaven? You know, is there, uh, you know, is, is reincarnation real or is this the only time that we live, that sort of thing? And now um, people can prove it for themselves because, you know, instead of being a skeptic, why don't you, you know, uh, someone should have a session because there's a lot of people that could do this for them now and prove it for themselves. And then you don't have to have all these other questions, you know. Um mm-hmm. So it was it was good for me to um, like when I was there. Oh, I got to tell you of another case that um, was just oh man, I it, I it was such an emotional case. I had a woman come to me. Her husband had hung himself uh, about six months before she came to me, and she was so distraught because this was her soulmate. She just loved this guy to death, and she was so distraught that a, another psychologist uh, she went to for grief and whatever knew about the work I did, and he says, well, I'm going to send you to Regan because, you know, maybe he can help you. So she came. She didn't even know she believed in reincarnation, any of that stuff. She went right under, uh, went to a past life, saw herself pass away, had an angel there that was with her. We went to heaven, and we asked if we could, if she could speak to her deceased husband, and they said, sure. So boom. Oh, oh my God. This was... Oh. This the emotion she was having when she's deep in trance. But I mean, it was just over the top. She, you know, like like you just found someone that died, and all of a sudden they show up at your front door. You know, like yeah. it was that kind of emotion. And uh, and so she was able to spend about forty minutes with him, and he apologized to her. He told her why he did it, and told her there was nothing she could have done because. Uh, at the time when she came home and found him hanging, she didn't think he was all the way gone yet, and she was trying to hold him up, but couldn't. There was no way to cut because he used this uh, strapping cord that you strap down. You know, it's nylon, it's two inches wide cord. There's no way you can mm-hmm. cut through that. And so she wondered, well, if I'd only done this, if I'd done that, he said, no, you know, you didn't do any of that. And he, they, she found out they'd had many lives before, that they were soulmates, uh, and that they'll be together again. And um, and then, this is what was interesting, towards the end of her conversation, he says, well, they're telling me I have to go now, and I'm kind of scared. And I said, well, ask him why. Why is he scared? And there's an angel there or a guy that was going to take him somewhere. And, of course, the first thing that goes to my mind is, you know, oh, man, what are they going to do to him because he, he committed suicide? Mm-hmm. And um, she says, he says he's scared because this angel is taking him and is going to show him what his life would have been like if he hadn't committed suicide. And, oh, my. Wow. Isn't that something? 
You know, so oh. apparently they're, they, they don't want him to do it again. So they're going to say, look, if you could have just hung in there and just, just overcome those little bits of problems, look, you could have had a beautiful life, and we don't want you doing this again because you're, you're uh, cheating yourself if you, if you commit suicide and not, commit, not finishing your mission, you know. So that mm-hmm. was, uh, oh, you know, when I think of that case now, I almost want to cry sometimes because yeah. it gave her so much relief. She still misses them like heck. She told me a few months later she still misses them, and she still cries once in a while, but it's not that, it's not the same kind of um, pain she was going through. It's more of a sure. love pain rather than a, a guilty pain or something, you know. Sure. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of things that can be done. Now, see, before someone does a life between life session, I have them do some homework and uh, because I want them to get the most out of a session. So um, I have them make a list of their cast. Of, I, I say, look at your life like a play. And I want you to put the characters that have shown up in your life as part of your play that have importance. You know, that's usually moms and dads, siblings, you know, lovers, um, coworkers. And I said, put down anybody that's, uh, uh, that's a nemesis, you know, somebody that's uh, somebody you have trouble being around, you know, put them down too. And then the second thing that I have them do is write a list of questions that if you were before these wise beings on the other side and you wanted to know certain things, it doesn't matter if it seems tri- trivial or whatever, just put it down and we'll see if they can answer your questions. And I would say about 90% of my clients are able to go before the council and get every question answered that they put down, whether it's 5 or 10 or 20, and um, really get a good overview and you know get a lot of their questions answered so when they come back they can – they can be more prepared to do what their mission is, you know. So yeah. those are those are big things. Um, the other thing that we found out that I think your listeners will like to hear. Now this took it. I've got my head wrapped around this pretty good now. So, it, but it shocked me at first. So um, Ryan, when you were up in heaven and you decided you were going to come back down again, and you started picking the different players in your life, like your parents and things like that, and find out, okay, uh, you know, who wants to be mom this time? Who's going to be dad? And and I need to learn this, so you're going to have to be tough on me. You know, you're, you're going you're to have to make me think you don't love me or something because you need to, to teach me something or whatever, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And once you decide that, you decide how difficult your life is going to be. And then the souls decide how much of themselves they're going to put into the human body. And most of the time when I ask that question, because we're still doing research here, and I'll say, okay, how much of yourself did you put into that body? And it's usually 50, 60, 70%, something like that. What that means is there's always like, uh, uh, there's always um, part of yourself that's always in heaven still. So uh, that, you know, we, sometimes we do these jokes about our higher self, our, you know, um, our God self or whatever. And I actually witness when people are in trance at a point during the session where they merge with their higher self. And it's like talking to two separate people. In other words, they become like Solomon when they, when I, all of a sudden they're talking about themselves, like, you know, I told about before, like in third person, you know, and giving themselves advice and everything like this. So what that means is that not only can you have uh, talk to your mom or dad or whoever's passed away over there, if you feel like it, you can you can have a conversation with them, see how they're doing in heaven. Or you can ask the soul of, let's say, your nemesis to come forward and ask them, like, why are they being such an a-hole to you? <laughs> you know, like, what are you doing to me? You know, why are you so mean to me? And they can have a conversation 
And a lot of times they'll find out why they're having such a problem being with some people. Um, So that's the cool thing is you can talk like, for instance, I had had a husband and wife come to me that were the wife wanted to divorce and he totally caught it just it totally blindsided him. And a friend of theirs said, well, hey, why don't you guys go to Regan? (laughs) And so I saw him one day and heard the next day they were able to talk to themselves on the other side and they were able to find out what the issues were, uh, you know, why she wanted to divorce. And and um, he found out that, yep, it's got to happen, you know. So he still, his human self was like so distraught and everything still, but he knew why now. And so he's been able to, they've been able to get through the divorce really good. She's been able to move on uh, because of what they did. The uh, the kids handled it much better because they, they just knew that this was just something kind of planned ahead of time before they were, you know, when they were on the other side. And now that it was just happening, his human self just still wanted to hang on when it was time to let go of her because she needed to be somewhere else, you know, for her to finish her mission. And so, mm-hmm. uh it's interesting. I mean, I can just imagine couples counseling of the future, you know. Because <laughs> it, 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 that's what hell is down here is going through couples counseling when all they want to do is clobber each other and they're not yeah. seeing that the, the bigger picture, like what are they learning from this, you know. Um, and, and they're very, very, this counsel over there, I would say they could be lovingly blunt. Like in other words, in other words, just say if you have a teacher at school, who is really hard on you, but you, you don't not like to teach at all because they're being loving in the way that they're, you know, like a tough love kind of thing. You know, uh, one of my clients was a nurse and she, she has three doctors that she works with and they rotate. Well, one of these doctors was so mean and cruel to her that when she knew he was coming in, she would sit in her car and have a panic attack before going into work because he knew she was, she knew he was going to be so cruel to her and she hadn't done anything. She said, this is just, the weirdest thing I said, I've never done anything but try to do good work and he will pull her aside when no one's looking and he will just be as rude and mean and say the most horrible things to her. Well, we get before the council and uh, I'll call her Jane. I'll say, Jane, now look, you have on your list here the number one thing you want to know why why uh, she called him Dr. Rotten Man, <laughs> why Dr. Rotten Man <laughs> is so mean to you. And the council person up there just looked at her and said, you were very cruel to him in another lifetime. And then they oh. it. and they went on something. Oh, and you should have seen her. Uh, her face just went like, ah, oh, I did not want to hear that. You know, oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> but right. Oh here's my. Here's what's funny, Ryan, is that three months later now, I asked her about this, and she says, I don't know why, but he's not being mean to me anymore. It just it just stopped, and she says I didn't do anything, but I think it. I think maybe we broke the energy pattern or something, you know, because mm-hmm. maybe she, maybe something changed and she just didn't realize she actually did something, but, but she got better, you know? So, yeah. wow. you know, she found wow. out the reason why, but see, yeah. that's taken a lot of times they'll, on the other side, they'll tell you what you need to do, but then you still got to come back and you have to like pull up your bootstraps and get to work. If you don't, mm-hmm. your problems are just going to be the same as they were or you're, you're going to be lagging behind, you know, and that's what some people right. do is they, they go back into being human again. And like, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I can't get myself to do it, you know, so, in a rut. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Although a Talk- lot of people say that's just what they needed because they got it right from the horse's mouth in a sense. 
and now they knew they couldn't they couldn't give themselves excuses anymore for not doing what they knew that know they needed to do in their life. So it's transform transformative, I would say, for most people to have this experience. Oh, it has to be, of course, of course. Uh, we're talking with Regan Forston, folks. Uh, take a look at his website. It's visittheafterlife.com, uh, talking about life between lives. And, Regan, what will we find on your website? Oh, uh, there's lots of great information on there. If they click on the uh, link to past life regression, there's a bunch of videos up there um, that they'll see of people, you know, uh, that have experienced it or some of them are going through it, little snippets. And then when they go on the Life Between Lives one, there's an actual session on there. They're doing a, someone's doing a documentary on this, and there's a, it's almost a full session that's on there. So it's, I think it's uh, like two hours long or something there. And uh, if you're just watching it, it could be, except for the exciting things that happen, there's a lot of dead time in there, a lot of quiet time where nothing is happening. So some people go, well, what's going on? Well, that's the way it is. Like sometimes uh, if someone's over there, and they want to talk to relatives or something, I'll say, okay, now I'm going to be quiet. You have your conversation with them, and we'll talk about it afterwards. I'm just going to be quiet, and you tell me when you're done. So I'm sitting there sometimes five or ten minutes of just dead silence, you know, and then they'll mm-hmm. say, okay, I'm done. And then I'll say, well, now uh, you might forget some of this because you're really deep in trance, so tell me what happened, and I'll put it on the recorder so you don't forget. And then they'll explain what happened, and we'll, we'll record it. So... Um, that's what's good is we record all these sessions and then I send them to people and then I ask them to listen to it, you know, two or three times over the next month. And uh, they'll, they'll pick up something that, you know, like with me, um, there was a lot of little things that became real important later on, but I only remembered the, the real wow, you know, like about a half a dozen really wow things. And the little things were just as important, but I, I, you know, like in a dream, sometimes you only remember like the, the shocking moment or something, you know, sure. not all the yeah. stuff that led up to it. So, uh, that's good. Um, I I do uh, this all over California. I'm kind of strange that way. I have a van that I travel in, and I go to people's homes uh, or they come to me. I'm in, like, by San Francisco, Marin County. Some people come hundreds of miles just to come for a session. Uh, but if they're in another state, if they go to the newtoninstitute.org, there's a whole list of – there's 250 of us now in 40 countries and I think eight different languages and so uh, there's still not enough therapists, but there's a lot that if you really want to have a session, somebody will be able to squeeze you in somewhere, you know. Uh, past sure. life regression can actually be done on Zoom, uh, believe it or not. I mean, uh, the, the life between life is too delicate, and um, I don't like to do it except in person. Uh, but uh, if they just want to say, well, let me see if I can even be hypnotized. Well, let me do that on a Zoom session anywhere in the world. Uh, oh. People will be surprised, you know. Um, sure. Sure. And Regan, how do folks get a hold of you? Oh, well, through they can get a hold of me through the website. Um, there's the email. There's a contact page in the back. And all they do is just, they'll, oh, right now, um, Brian, because of your show, too, I put up a, a book that I published recently, uh, an e-book. It's called a Reincarnation is Real. And it's about all the latest research that's being done. Uh, like through the University of Virginia, through what we're doing, and and there's some uh, links to go to different videos, uh, uh, some current ones on reincarnation and that. And it's for people that are just curious about it or they want to study it more, you know, just because they still, they you know, they're on the fence still. They go, well, this this sounds kind of cool, but I don't know. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I've been told it's the devil's work. Well, 
it's the farthest thing from the devil's work that you can imagine, you know, sure. as I tell people, sure. it's just all about love. It's all about light and love on the other side. Great. Excellent. Regan, this has been fascinating. The hour went by so fast. Oh, <laughs> I my can't gosh. Believe it. Already an I hour. think we could do it no. already an hour. I think we could do another hour or two. I'd, I'd love to have you back sometime oh, God, so we yeah. can do it again. Well, yeah, when you now, uh, when you want to, you know, fill in there, I, I it's part of my part of my journey is uh, is just uh, and and the reason I wrote my book, my book called Three Hours, Thirty Three Minutes in Heaven. It's about my own personal journey and story, and that's available on my website or Amazon. A lot of bookstores uh, is available also. Uh, but um, I wrote the book mainly because I want to start talking about this more to the public, uh, even to go before companies or for people that. Um, you know, open to this kind of thing, just to let people know that this is something that's available uh, because I've seen how it's changed my life and, and thousands of other people's lives. And I, I, I want to do the bigger picture here, you know, as well as seeing clients too. Absolutely. You're doing good work, Regan. <laughs> Visit theafterlife.com is the website and three hours, 33 minutes in heaven. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the book next time, Regan. Okay. Sure. Yeah, you let me know. All right. I'll be here for you. Sounds okay, good. Ryan. Wonderful. Thank nice, you. You have a nice great night. Nice to meet night. you both. Okay. Nice to meet Bye. you. All right. Bye-bye. Well, Tamara, that uh, that was pretty fascinating. I, I suppose it was all things that, that you already knew, though, didn't you? <laughs> no, no. You, you have to understand, when you do this work, Ryan, there is never – only gets you more excited. I mean, hey, let's do a Zoom one. Let's do a Zoom one and upload it on the air. You have a you have a hypnotist right here available for you. No, it it, it all kind. Let me say, your guests that you pick for our show here are, are just perfectly in alignment with what's going on. So you are so mystical. Yeah. But yes, my husband and I both used hypnosis hypnosis as part of our you know, marriage counseling and divorce clearing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I think it. I think he was very right in the fact that when we can understand, you know, contracts and and that you know we learn from everyone. We're just walking each other home, right? So it, it is far more. And it it uses a tool. We're here to learn, right? And only love is real. So everyone in our lifetime is for us. Like he said, our a holes, <laughs> and we all know who they are. So I use that form. You know, it is it's so fascinating, and and uh, so yeah, definitely great topic, and it gets me pumped up. I want to do more. I'll probably put a sale out too. That's fantastic. Excellent, excellent. Tamara, remind people then again how they get a hold of you if they'd like an in-depth reading or a past life regression themselves. Oh, yes, and I do past life regression on Zoom as well. Um, yes, you can find me at net. My information's on there, or Mystic Sister Tamara Gleason. You can find me there, but uh, great show. Good one. Okay, yeah, Regan Graham. is a good guest. Yeah, yeah, because we have to have him back on. On the show, I just, oh, I was just totally entranced. I love the services. <laughs> Uh, absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Tamara. We'll do it again on Friday. <laughs> All right. Friday, folks. 
Friday the 11th, we'll talk with Connie Habish about Awakening from Anxiety. That is the title of her book. And then Monday the 14th, Terry Tucker, Find Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. Very uh, intriguing story with uh, Terry Tucker on Monday the 14th. Until then, I'm Ryan Lindsay for Tamara Gleason. We'll talk on Friday. Until then, be safe, be kind. You've been listening to The Ryan Lindsay Show. Visit RyanLindsayShow.com for more information 